Good morning. If I say hi to you, you can just call me Pastor Sam or Sam, uh, nothing formal, although I've been ordained in the PCUSA. But today, I just, it reminds me, you know, when I see praise bands, they're all so cool. Like, I think a lot of ministers want to be like praise people. Um, and then it also reminded me as we standing and uh, singing and uh, praise music and, and uh, hymns, um, I used to joke that there's three methods for uh, Presbyterians to uh, worship in terms of song. The first is being standing straight still. And the other one is swaying. And the other one, the more daring ones, will actually kick their feet a little bit. <laughs> so that's, uh, this, this, we are called the frozen chosen for some reason. <laughs> Not. I'm cracking Presbyterian jokes because I was raised uh, Presbyterian. I was uh, baptized and confirmed at Jefferson Korean uh, Church on Jefferson Boulevard, which used to be one of the oldest Korean churches in Los Angeles. And uh, they've uh, changed their names. And my dad was an elder there. And... When my uh, parents came to the U.S., um, Dr. Warren, Reverend Dr. Warren Lee's family was very kind to them as well, and thus we became Presbyterian. So would you uh, join me in a word of prayer? Dear God, allow me to be your voice, your Nabi, your prophet. Um, may the Spirit be among us, in us, and through us, pushing us to places uh, that we don't always want to go, but we do it to glorify you, to love each other, and ourselves. And all of God's people said, Amen. Today's scripture comes from Luke, the Gospel of Luke, which is part of one of three synoptic gospels. Synoptic means a similar. And I just want to give you that um, it was probably written by the Lucan community anywhere from 80 common era to up to 90 plus. And it's after the destruction of the Temple of Jerusalem, which was in a, a moment of total uh, part of the destruction of the Jewish identity in terms of their society. So now we see uh, Jesus and his followers, probably a generation or two after Jesus, um, putting together their story, their writings to, about Jesus and how their community should worship God and love one another. So today's message comes from Luke, and Luke's themes are very interesting as well. They uphold the marginal, um, they uphold the oppressed, and also the sacrifice of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So today's message comes from Luke chapter 10, verse 20, 25 to 37, and it comes from the Message Bible uh, by Dr. Eugene Peterson. So listen with me. Just then a religion scholar stood up with a question to test Jesus. Teacher, what do I need to do to get eternal life? He answered, what's written in God's law? How do you interpret it? He said that you love Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and muscle and intelligence and that you love your neighbor as well as you do yourself. Good answer, said Jesus. Do it and you'll live. Looking for a loophole, he asked, and just how would you define neighbor? Jesus answered by telling a story. There was once a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. On the way, he was attacked by robbers. They took his clothes, beat him up, and went off leaving him half dead. Luckily, a priest was on his way down the same road, but when he saw him, he angled across to the other side. Then a Levite, Levite religious man showed up, and he also avoided the injured man. A Samaritan traveling the road came on him. 
When he saw the man's condition, his heart went out to him. He gave him first aid, disinfecting and bandaging his wounds. Then he lifted him onto his donkey and led him to an inn and made him comfortable. In the morning, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take good care of him. If it costs any more, put it on my bill. I will pay you, ba- ba- pay you on my way back. Now what do you think? Which of the three became a neighbor to the man attacked by robbers? The one, and he answered, the one who treated him kindly. The religion scholar responded. Jesus said, go and do the same. When I was growing up in my family, I come from a Korean-American family. My parents immigrated in 1964 and then my mother in 65. I remember, like, they used to be part of the Jefferson Church, and people would come over, you know, the pastors would come over to have, we call it shimbang in Korean, or, or worship at a, a household at night. And my mom would toil all afternoon and day after she got off work to make food for everyone. But also, if you ever go into uh, usually an Asian-American person's house, where do the shoes go? You have to take off your shoes before you walk in. So everyone put their shoes in the front, and usually it's pointed toward the entranceway. And, you know, there'd be like 20 pairs of shoes outside sometimes. And I remember as a little kid, when they're inside talking or having worship, I used to go through and try on shoes. I don't know if I would do that as an adult because, you know, who knows what's in those shoes these days, especially the ones that didn't wear socks. But I remember going in and putting on shoes. I would put my feet in in one of the male elder shoes, and he was an electrician, and I'd be like, ooh, what does it feel like to be an electrician? And imagine me with pliers and fixing things. And then I would take my feet out and put it into a woman's higher heel shoes, not a very high shoes. And imagine what her life was like as a mother. And then I went daringly into the pastor's shoes. And the pastor's shoes is very worn compared to the other ones. I think that pastor did a lot of walking and a lot of visitations. And I put my feet into his shoes. And I have to say, it wasn't the best feeling in the world. It was very warm and sticky. (laughs) So here am I imagining what it was to be a minister, a pastor, a leader to this congregation at Jefferson. And who would have thunk that one day I would be a minister ordained in the very PCUSA uh, of that uh, church as well. Yet, sometimes I wonder, we have these sayings, you know, you have to walk a mile in a person's uh, shoes to, you know, before you can judge their lives, you know. Has anyone read To Kill a Mockingbird or recently read it? Atticus, in this quote, talking to Scout, said, You never really understand a person until you consider things from his or her point of view, until you climb into his or her skin and walk around in it. There's an assumption in some ways that we can understand each other's sufferings, others' lives if we walk the mile, walk where they've been. But perhaps we can and perhaps we're we're not. We can't. We are urged to sympathize or empathize with each other's feelings, but yet there's a big gap. Even in my family, my parents are first generation that immigrated to the U.S., and I was the first generation born in the United States. And there is a big cultural gap between my parents and I in terms of what it is to be Korean, what it is to be American. 
Perhaps I can understand some of their sufferings as they have faced racism being Asian American. But I cannot fully understand my parents. Nor can I understand the sufferings that they have been through. But yet, sometimes we assume we can. And I, I beg to disagree, maybe a little bit, maybe 5 to 10%. But I don't believe we can understand the rest of the 90. I can't understand the sufferings of African Americans. I can't understand the sexism against women, the homophobia against the queer community. I can't understand that, nor will I ever do, because I am not the other. Yet in today's scripture, Jesus does something so interesting. He asks a, a person that is expert on religious law. Are there any professors here in, in theology or seminary or Suzanne maybe, or ministers who have an excellent understanding of religious law? But see, for the Jewish people, they believe that if you fill these Ten Commandments and these other civic laws, that they can inherit eternal life. And the trick question to Jesus was exactly that. What can I do to inherit? And that person already knew what he needed to do to inherit eternal life. So once again, as we heard Peter tell the story of gratitude, he takes the Lucan perspective and talks about a Samaritan person. Now the amazing thing about Jesus is he's flipping everything on its head. And we know this. We've heard this. We've heard this parable. It's probably the second or first most discussed parable in our Christian churches and families. And yet, what does Jesus do? Flip everything on its head and takes the person that's probably hated most by Jewish society and puts them up high. And he asks the person, asks the the smart person, who is the neighbor? And the neighbor is the Samaritan person. But yet, what can we do? Jesus asks, and the, the, good per, the law person says, you have to treat each other kindly. In, in Greek, it's eleos. In the NRSV, it's Mercy. And yes, kindness is probably the answer to every question on how to treat one another. I'm sorry to say this, well, somewhat not sorry, but sometimes we use love too much. We don't understand the impact of it. We don't understand the gravity of it. But we say love to everything. We apply it to everything. I love my car. I love my shoes. I love material things. We put love after every email, after every letter to even strangers. But is that what love is in the 21st century? Is that just a four-letter word that we use like it was just of turning on the faucet? And I think a lot of ways we do, and we uphold it. And I'm not saying it's something lesser. Ideally, it's great. It's amazing. It gets us closer to God. But yet, we as human beings use it so often, it becomes like water or air. We might need it, but we don't know how to express it. Yet Jesus, again and again, pushes that notion here. Who is the neighbor and how are we supposed to treat our neighbor? How are we supposed to be treated? How are we supposed to treat Jesus? Jesus doesn't say here that you have to love the Samaritan. You have to love 
the person that is robbed. You didn't have to love the Levite or the, the priest or the pastor. He challenges that person by saying, you have to treat each other with kindness. When's the last time you were kind to someone? That's an interesting question, isn't it? Kindness is not part of our vocabulary. Kindness is not part of our laws. Kindness is not part of how we do love. We might talk about it, but we don't say it. We don't imbibe it. We don't put it in our refrigerator. We don't put it in our mandates of our churches. But it's right there in front of us. How can we love someone who hates us? How can we love someone who is homophobic, racist, sexist? How? Because Jesus challenges us to love our enemies. And perhaps the answer is this parable, that the only way to love the people that we dislike is to be kind to them, regardless of their background. We don't know the person that was robbed. We do not know. What if he was a terrible person? Would you be kind to a terrible person? Probably not especially if they've hurt us. But yet, that is the mandate. God challenges us to be engaged in this world as Christians. That is the call of Jesus. We are not to hide at our homes. We are not to hide, supposed to be hiding in our churches. We are called to engage in the world and not hide. And the only way I believe you can do it daily, every day, to each other, one another, to the stranger, is to be kind. That's it. I think sometimes our Buddhist siblings have a little better um, avenue into kindness because they stress it more than we do. The, da- the 14th Dalai Lama said this, and I just love this quote Be kind whenever possible. And it's always possible. When was the last time someone was kind to you? My parents tell me the story how they ended up at Jefferson Presbyterian Church. I go, why did you go to that church? There's some Methodist ones, you know, Baptist ones, uh, non-denominational ones. Because Dr. Warren Lee's, uh, Reverend Dr. Warren Lee's parents were very active in the Korean community. And then they supported my parents uh, with money, with food. They didn't have to. And they remember that. And I think when kindness happens to us unexpectedly, when someone gives kindness to us, does something unexpected, it stays with us. It changes us. I remember the story about this conservative, well, not so conservative anymore, evangelical male pastor. His name was Tony Campolo. I don't know if Remember him? When he was young and poor, you know, he would go to the fields and pick up the leftovers after harvest. And he'd pick up beans and other things. And one time he was just, he couldn't get anything in his pail. But an African-American person came with a full pail and just dumped it into his pail. And he remembered that. And somehow that kindness changed him into a social justice activist. And later he became very queer-affirming too. I think those moments of kindness changes us. Not some of these big moments, but the kindness, the unexpected kindness from a stranger. 
Is it possible for us at Santa Monica Presbyterian Church to have that ethos and ethics of kindness as a daily part of our spiritual journey? Can you walk out of these doors and be kind to a stranger? Not for your benefit, just being kind for what it is. As a spiritual journey, as a spiritual ethos, as a life ethos. Maya Angelou, Maya Angelou, which is my favorite, one of my favorite poets and activists, said this, my wish for you is that you continue, continue to be who and how you are, to astonish a mean world with your acts of kindness. Continue to allow humor to lighten the burden of your tender heart. My friends, we all deserve kindness, don't we? Because we all deserve love. But today's message in this parable, this famous parable, it comes down to kindness. Has, have, has anyone noticed that perhaps the reason Jesus tells all these parables, all these stories, the ministry that he gives, was also a cry out for help? That he is the beaten robber. He is the son that has been kicked out. That he is the one that is going to give his life for others, and yet no one is taking care of him as well as a human person, probably very much afraid and alone. That this is a foreshadowing, but also a plea for him to be cared for. Maybe washing of his feet. Maybe getting fed. Maybe being a recipient of kindness. Even the, the story of gratitude today told by Peter, when that one person that came back and said, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for healing me. I believe is an act of kindness. So my friends, I challenge you. I challenge you every day as you leave these doors to be kind to Jesus, to be kind to the stranger, to your loved ones, to yourself. Because I believe that is the only way to engage and love everyone, your enemies, your loved ones, because that is the only way we can change the society better, little by little, by one act of kindness and another act of kindness. Because that will come back triple, a hundredfold for the glory of God. Amen.